welcome to That's Life, where we are kicking off Season 5 here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and I'm considering making both a Shechianu and a Lechayim. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. Avram, i got to tell you, I don't hear a thing. Am I on? you hear me? Yes, you are well, on. Hello. Oh, hello. How's everything? Baruch Hashem. Things Excellent. are good. Excellent. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here right after Allison and right before Nachum's live lunch. Coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful and sweaty in September Lower East Side of Rummy is behind the board. How was your commute this morning? It was a bit rough, yes. Uh, there is another reason why. I mean, the Megabus uh, did not take us today. They used another bus. I guess there's not enough people coming. So instead of the big, spacious, double-decker bus, they used, the huge they bus? used some other one-floor oh. something that was just not good. And I felt like I was slipping off my chair the whole evening, and I had pulled something in my shoulder, so I couldn't sleep. And that trip, if you're not sleeping through the trip, it's really long. No, I can imagine, because Baltimore's not around the corner. That's right, so. So everyone should just understand what Rami and I look like today, because it's a little bit like a rehab center. I have a heating pack over my shoulders, <laughs> and Rami has, if you've never done this before, it totally works, a, um, it's a, it's a rock sock, it's a rice sock. I mean, that's basically what it is, is it not? Yes, it is. It's a sock that you fill up with rice, and you stick it in the microwave. It gets all nice and hot, and you stick it on your shoulder or wherever, and it molds right to the area. It's really good. Yeah, it, so that's what's going on here right now, because um, we're we're old. <laughs> I'm starting to start at the show this way, but you and I, I mean, Jamie looks fine over there, but you and I look like, you know, we've been through the war and back. But, you know, we're making efforts. I think this is like, it's a pain came from trying to... Uh, not just give in to being old, you know, trying to be starting to get in shape and eat better, do other stuff, you know. So, <laughs> you know, we're making old. good efforts and uh, etc. Yeah. I went to my chiropractor last night, second night in a row, because uh, I've been in some, shall we say, discomfort. And he said to me, you know, this is like a repetitive stress injury. Are, are you repeatedly doing something that would be causing this injury? I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. I've increased my strength training at the gym tremendously. So he looks at me and he says, you know, a lot of my a lot of my gym rats are in pain. Otherwise saying, you idiot. <laughs> Stay off the machines for two days. But no, I was just back out there this morning. So at least the studio smells good because that microwave rice <laughs> smells great. Anyway, that's what's going on here. We are old. A Boker Tov to Jamie. And we wish a Boker Tov to Yoni, who was not in the studio today because he is heading to Chicago. He is the advance on our trip to Chicago doing advance work as we are preparing to broadcast this Sunday from the Jewel Osco Supermarket in Evanston, Illinois. We will be broadcasting from their massive annual food event called the Taste of Kosher Food Fair from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, which is 1 to 4 Central Time. We'll be joined by our friends at the Jewel Osco Supermarket. Our friends from Manischewitz, Jack's Gourmet, and a bunch of other names and faces familiar to this audience. We very much look forward to being there. It's going to be a long and exciting day. But what's up, Chicago? We look forward to seeing you then. So there is so much going on, and I want to thank everyone who's been part of this advance work and who's going to be part of this massive event on Sunday, both from our end and from our hosts' end. You can listen to everything that we're doing on Sunday by going to the NSN app. You can also watch and hear everything by going to our homepage at NahumSiegel.com. And as Nahum mentioned this morning on JM and AM, if you have not yet spent the day just being tuned in 
to what we've got going on all day on this network, you really need to. And today is the day. You can also follow us on Twitter. So much going on. Follow us on Twitter, Nachum Siegel Net, all one word. Miriam L. Wallach, also all one word. We're going to do a fortune cookie. And don't worry, everybody, because Yoni's not here. He didn't pick it. That means this one is Mazel Dick. Did you know that, Arami? Uh, no. I didn't uh, I'm really hoping that Yoni's listening because he's going to be tested on today's show. Hold. Oh, I'm making a mess. Here we go. Your high-minded principles spell success. See, this is what happens when Yoni's not around. I pick a good one. Let's talk about the national holidays. It's International Literacy Day, which makes me happy. It's Pardon Day. Now, Rami, I don't know if that means like a pardon me day, like, you know, to be apologetic or whatever, or it's the day people get pardoned. Are you going to be watching that uh, episode of The West Wing with the turkey pardoning in honor? I watched it last <laughs> week, which is fine, but I, we, we'll do a West Wing discussion at the beginning of the live lunch. I should really wait for Nahum, but whatever. We're going we're gonna to table that for the next <laughs> half an hour. Um, it's also National Ampersand Day, which I wish didn't make me so happy, but it did. Does everyone know what an ampersand is? An ampersand is that squiggly kind of line that it otherwise means and. It is called an ampersand. It, and yes, if you noticed my tweet, I learned it from Wheel of Fortune. Do you know that? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I did notice that, but I also remember some time ago you being on me and Nahum about the fact that we use it too much or something. Well, because an ampersand, <laughs> well, that's true. An ampersand is different from the word and. You cannot use them interchangeably. Did That's it? I got nothing from you? Yeah, I, wanna, I, I thought you were going to elaborate. Well, you, so. they're not interchangeable. <laughs> okay. All right, you're quietly rolling your eyes, so now we're going to move on. It's also World Physical Therapy Day, which we've already participated in because we're old. <laughs> Yes. And tomorrow, no coincidence, it's, uh, yeah, it's Wonderful Weirdos Day, as it is every September 9th. And of course, happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you. Yes, on National Weirdos Day and Wonderful Weirdos Day. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. <laughs> um, I also want to mention that not only is this Sunday the day that we're going to be in Chicago, but it is 9-11. It is the 15th anniversary of the day that shook this country to its core. It certainly shook me. It is a shock to think <laughs> so much time has passed and as someone like myself, who has the opportunity to be in lower Manhattan on a daily basis and who takes the path plenty of times through the World Trade Center. I just need to comment and reflect on the resolve and strength of this city, honestly. I um, I have to tell you, Avram, I, as a classic New Yorker, I used to get completely aggravated by all the construction materials in Manhattan. Clogs of traffic, clogs of sidewalks, it's annoying. But since 9-11, my attitude has totally changed. It's almost like a bring it kind of a thing like yeah we're rebuilding this is what we do when we're getting bigger and we're getting stronger and that's what this country is about and new yorkers are tough so i love it and i'm proud to be a new yorker i'm certainly proud to be an american and i will take my time to reflect on sunday as we all will i also just want to mention and a shout out to zk for this that we have a poster up in this studio of the twin towers and it doesn't move Everything goes in around it. We have photographs that we're constantly updating here in the studio. We have a lot of different things. We have flags. That poster takes up a tremendous amount of room and isn't going to move. It is our nod to 9-11 and to remembering a very, very important day in the history of this country. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. My guest this morning from BINA, the Stroke and Brain Injury Assistance Organization at BINAUSA.org, is Elhanan Schwartz. He is, the licensed me- he is a licensed mental health counselor. He is also the director of crisis intervention and caregiver support services at BINA. Good morning, Elhanan. 
Good morning. How are you? I am well. Thank you for joining me. I, I truly appreciate it. And as someone who has, very honestly, no medical background, <laughs> I am going to... Um, you know, probably ask a bunch of questions that may make it sound like I am, you know, really uneducated. But I'm sure that there are plenty of other people like myself who, thank God, have not needed Bina services or know other people who need Bina services, but appreciate the fact that organizations like Bina are out there. So I want to establish for everyone, first of all, what Bina does and what it gives to the community and what a, a the extent of anything between a stroke and a brain injury could mean. Okay, so, so thanks, first of all, for having me on this morning. Um, you're not alone in being uneducated about brain injury. Um, I think that uh, really, unless someone has experienced it themselves or a close family member or friend has experienced it, or they are in the medical profession and within the medical profession, they have a specialty in the area of brain injury. I think those are basically the people who do get it and do understand it. So it is very, um, it's very unknown and uh, often very misunderstood. Hmm. Um, being as an organization, um, it, we do, I guess we, you could say we're kind of there to guide any family really in all aspects of what they may need after uh, a brain injury. So when it comes to... So once someone, when someone has a brain injury and it goes from, we deal with mild brain injuries like concussion all the way to moderate, severe brain injury, people in uh, uh, persistent uh, vegetative states, um, all across that spectrum, once the person has gotten their immediate medical care um, and now the process of recovery is going to begin, um, that's where we uh, step in and help them uh, choose a rehab facility, whether it's an inpatient rehab facility, once they're done with inpatient rehab facilities, setting up services at home, case management, um, and my program, which deals really with uh, emotional and neuropsychological support and education for the person with the brain injury and for the family. So then let me ask you a quick question, because you just you just said something, and I... It, it really triggered a, a bigger question in my mind. You, you say that brain injuries are, are often misunderstood. So as you, who is educating um, and working with both families and the community, what do you mean by they're often misunderstood, and how do you correct those misunderstandings? So education is, a, is an important part of it, um, and um, they're misunderstood, I guess, uh, both you know, in a simple sense, people who haven't experienced it don't really understand the uh, the stress that it can place on a family, on a family dynamic. Um, but uh, more complex, more complicated is that uh, what we're talking about is the brain. So I think everybody understands. Uh, everybody will tell you kind of logically, okay, what is the brain control in the body? And the answer is uh, everything. But do we really understand what everything means? It affects the personality. It affects cognition. It affects digestion, physical, uh, physical emotional, cognitive uh, functioning, social behaviors are all all can be affected by a brain injury. Um, so that's the part that often people uh, have a hard time understanding, and if people are misinformed about well, why is this person, for example, 
acting in this type of way. They never acted like this before. Are they choosing to do that? Um, have they suddenly changed their their way of behavior, or might this be something that's neurologically based because of the brain injury that they have? So that's another area that can lead to uh, a lot of confusion if it's not uh, properly understood. And uh, brain injury is also known as a hidden injury. So uh, oftentimes, You'll, we'll have a lot of cases where someone had a stroke or uh, a traumatic brain injury, and they wind up uh, coming home, and Baruch Hashem, they look kind of fine. Maybe they have a little bit of weakness in their leg or their arm, but they're not wearing a cast on their brain. You can't mm-hmm. see that anything may still be affected or may be damaged. So that aspect of it where the person may look okay but may have significant cognitive uh, issues or other issues related to the brain injury that are still ongoing is also something that's uh, not often not noticed and not realized by people who uh, who haven't had experience in that area. Elhanan Schwartz is a licensed mental health counselor for Bina, the Stroke and Injury Stroke and Brain Injury Assistance. You can reach them at binausa.org. He is the director of Crisis Intervention and Caregiver Support Services. Elhanan, with everyone going back to school, and even New York City public schools schools went back to uh, class into the classrooms today. And as a parent who just signed a whole bunch of of uh, team sports waivers. Um, I, I wonder how often you have the opportunity to talk to schools and to talk to teachers in the phys ed departments about the importance of brain injury, uh, the importance of brain injuries in terms of team sports with kids and prevention, etc. Are you given that opportunity? Is that is that part of that education as well? Uh, I think we would like it to be. Um, I think that we're um, as is sometimes the case, you know, uh, brain, mild brain injury, concussion, has been uh, getting a lot of coverage um, in the media uh, since especially with the NFL and, right. and things like that. And that's, and that's become kind of a big deal um, over, the last, uh, over the last few years. Um, because I think in the yeshivas, there really isn't that emphasis. There's no, not, not a lot of, uh, you know, organized sports in that way or sports leagues. Ah, but there is hockey. Doesn't... There is hockey. But I mean, we... There is. No, there is. There is. I certainly, you know, and uh, listen, there could be. Um, and uh, I don't know that yeshivas have any type of uh, concussion protocol or something like that. I, I would welcome the opportunity, but I have not really had that. We do some kind... We do uh, often when there's a safety event or a safety fear in Lakewood and... Uh, at Bar Park there was recently, we'll kind of get out there and talk about safety, particularly bike helmets, um, something that uh, we have reached out a lot about. But getting into the schools and talking about, uh, you know, concussion safety and things like that is not something that we have had a lot of opportunity for. And neither have some of the neuropsychologists, um, the from neuropsychologists that work in the field have told me they also haven't found a lot of uh, response to that. Uh, but... Uh, Hopefully, you know, we, we're working, we always work on educating people uh, as far as brain injury, and uh, that's part of what we would like to do. How does education begin with a family or begin in a family or for a family that has, that is now dealing with a, with a brain injury in, with, within their family? Like, how do you begin that conversation with a, with a family that now has this 
has had this traumatic event take place and has to, you know, handle it and potentially live a completely different life. So I think in, in, in most in the cases of, of severe injuries where someone, you know, usually when there's a severe head injury, that means at some point we're talking about a, a threat to, uh, to I mean, a possible loss of life in the initial stages. So the family has gone through a, a very uh, traumatic experience. So I would say the education happens in a small dose. Um, and uh, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of listening, a lot of um, people feeling they can call Bina and speak to someone who understands what's going on, um, a lot of allowing the people kind of to process, to talk about what's going on, to go through, uh, you know, to speak through kind of the decision-making processes as they're faced with decisions as to what they have to do um, for rehab. Um, and then, you know, at some point, it'll become, when the, when the family's ready uh, for it, it'll become, I guess, a little bit more official. I have some presentations I do. Sometimes we'll do a, a family meeting where we'll talk about all the, um, uh, you know, like basic education regarding regarding brain injury, things to look for, things to look out for. And then as, you know, as things move along, I guess it becomes more extensive. But I say mm-hmm. initially, in small doses, um, families are usually getting bombarded with information from, from medical staff and social workers in the hospital. And it's, uh, so then at that point, it's kind of small doses. And as, as the person uh, continues to recover, um, the education continues. And each family is assigned a, a caseworker, so to speak, that takes on that family and, and their needs and helps them address every step of the way through the, um, the rehabilitation or the, the service process? Um, I would say it's more every, meaning there's more specialized people within the office. There's people that do referrals for medical or acute, subacute medical facilities. There are people who do case management, and then there's um, myself and some interns who work for me who do the counseling. Mm-hmm. And everybody is able to, you know, the, they'll call in to Bino, they'll speak to the intake, uh, intake coordinator, and based on whatever their needs are, they'll be working with either, uh, whether it's the referral to case management or crisis intervention. Um, so I guess they, every person kind of gets the team versus having different staff assigned to specifically different cases. Got it. It seems like a very holistic approach um, in terms of dealing with a case or dealing with a family. You're looking at every aspect. You're looking at what the children in the family may need or the the primary caregiver may need and what the patient now needs instead of you, you, you approach it as one, you know, the same way we approach or, you know, we should approach the health of the human body in the first place on a holistic kind of level where you look at the entire situation instead of a little pieces at a time, you look at the entire situation and say, okay, what are we doing to help here and how are we meeting all of those needs? Absolutely. It's uh, it's it's uh, complete teamwork. You know, we all uh, have offices, uh, you know, right next to each other. And, uh, you know, nine nine times out of ten, you know, we're all involved in, in an aspect of a case. We, uh, you know, we kind of meet about the cases, making sure we do a lot of follow-ups with families to make sure that, um, that sometimes people don't realize that, that we could help them. You know, we'll, right. they'll call and we'll call back four months later and say, hey, you just... We haven't heard from you. We wanted to know how everything's going. 
uh, is everything okay? And they'll be like, uh, no, we have this problem, this problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so um, I guess that's another aspect of it, actually, is, is thus that it's a, it's a long-term. Right, right. Um, you know, the, the medical people now are, 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 are want to look at brain injury, not so much as an injury, but more like a chronic illness. That's probably um, a better way to understand it. Right. So, so, so it's funny that you mention it that way. And again, this goes back to the fact that I have no medical training whatsoever. But it seems to me that brain injury, and I'm I, again, I apologize for for my you know my, my medical ignorance. But it seems to me that many brain injuries or some brain injuries, along with some cancers, have become that medical technology has 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 reached the point where people can live with certain kinds of brain injuries in a way that they could not live before in previous years because technology and medicine has advanced to the point that it that it has and the same thing true with certain cancers that cancer is no longer the sentence that we that we thought that it was and that there are people who live with it or various kinds of cancers on for many, many years on a chronic basis. Am, am I wrong on that or am I? Well, I think that people certainly are, are surviving um, injuries that uh, they in, in, in the past they would not have. Um, and so so that's, there's a reason why the uh, a brain injury is considered kind of the, the injury of the Afghanistan and Iraq wars. Mm. Um, because uh, because of the medical um, advancements now allow people who have sustained serious brain injuries to survive. So in that sense, it's kind of uh, more common, um, and that allows people to um, hopefully um, with the with the with the because the immediate medical medical care, the emergency care, is so much better to survive and hopefully recover uh, from the injury. And as the director of crisis intervention and caregiver support services and a person with this mental health background who must approach families and have difficult conversations with them at a time where they may not be receptive at all, have you have you encountered a situation where you knew that the family was just not listening, that they just weren't getting it, and then maybe you were in a situation where either you had to go a little harder on them or you just had to back off and say this is not going to happen right now um i found that the the hospital people uh the hospital personnel are usually as hard as uh, anybody needs to be mm. um so <laughs> i i don't i don't necessarily you know in other words right now i get it yeah yeah families have heard really um things as blunt as they need to be um but but it takes a it takes um, it takes time to to adjust. You know, even on some level, you know, a denial or, or, or kind of living in the moment and not thinking about the future um, is a good short-term kind of, uh, coping mechanism. Um, and we have to understand that and respect that. And uh, you know, how is a family supposed to understand this kind of really complex neurological uh, what that means and how that means and um, you know so quickly? So. We're very understanding of that. We're very patient with families. I am very rarely uh, hard on a, on a family. Um, it's about just having good conversations, allowing them to, to process, to tell you what they're thinking, uh, and really listening um, and understanding and emphasizing with the uh, with the family. And I think that gets you a lot farther towards progress than any 
um, you know, the blunt conversations that kind of put, you know, put the, which I think in the hospitals when right. that happens, I mean, sometimes they don't have a choice. They right. have to say what they have to say, but that, that kind of puts it in an us versus them uh, mentality, which really doesn't, um, and it doesn't help matters uh, that much. Right. No, that's actually a really good point. We're, we're winding down on time. I just want to ask one final question. Is, is it ever too late for a family to call Bina? Oh, no, never. Um, there's always, um, both from a, a rehabilitation standpoint, I mean, people get very fixated on the first year post-brain injury, first year post-brain injury, but we've sent people years post-brain injury to uh, therapy, to neuropsychology, the cognitive rehabilitation that has been that has made that have helped them make improvements. So uh, there may be services that they can get that they're not aware of through our case manager uh, uh, case management department. So absolutely, if anybody has had any issue with a brain injury, it's certainly worth the call. Um, you know, we're not too busy for you if you if you call in and you tell us your story. We will try and help if there's something we can do. Um, so I would definitely recommend that if people uh, have had a brain injury and they haven't been in touch or have had a family member from the brain injury, they should definitely give us a call. Excellent. Elhanan Schwartz from Bina. You can reach them at Bina, USA, B-I-N-A-U-S-A dot org. I thank you very much for joining me. Continued Hatzlacha and all your good work. Thanks so much for having me. Hatzlacha. Thank you. I also want to mention that the Young Leadership Division of Bina Stroke and Brain Injury Assistance is excited to kick off their second annual Play for Bina Casino Night. That's Thursday, September 22nd at Studio 450. Early bird special for uh, for the for the reservations is over, but you can certainly make additional reservations by being in touch with... Where is that? That is... Playforbina.org. Thank you. Playforbina.org. P-L-A-Y-F-O-R or the letter four. Thank you. P-L-A-Y number four, B-I-N-A dot org. You don't want to miss that again. That's Thursday, September 22nd. And my thanks to our own Jamie Turkel for bringing this to my attention. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Seal Network. And as I mentioned, we have a full lineup in just a few moments. We'll start the live lunch hosted by Nachum. Do not miss JMNAM tomorrow morning. 7.40, Malcolm Holmline joins Nachum for the weekly update. And at the conclusion of Jame in the AM, don't forget, it's a brand new edition of Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. I got two words for you people, cheesecake. And don't be that annoying person who says, Miriam, that's really one word. But that's not the point. It's all about cheesecake and plenty of fun guests. You don't want to miss that. In addition, Matis, JM Sunday, Dove Littman. Uh, Javier Knesset, Dove Lippman, will be joining Montes on JM Sunday to discuss his uh, his presence, I should say, tour of North America on behalf of Nefesh Benefesh. You certainly do not want to miss that. And every other Sunday with uh, with Matis, that's from 7 to 9 in the morning, Eastern Time. We leave you today with Avramel's Kapara off of the new CD. It's my nod to Elul. It's track number six. Don't always listen to the first two tracks on the CD, folks. Dig deeper. Track number six, Kapara, is my favorite song. Welcome to season five, everybody. That's life. Bye, guys.